Colin Plume, self-made millionaire tips. My friend today, Scott Termini from Mint, yeah. talking about, we're going to talk about everything. Cool. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about what a great golfer you are. <laughs> I hit and the long ball. You hit the long, <laughs> hit the long ball. I think we won't divulge that we went golfing and we didn't make it all I think we got 16 and a half that's like <laughs> holes. 16 and a half is almost there yeah my perfect golf round would be like five holes I think and then just you know, focus on the you know why it's 18 right no you know, so there was a debate right back when they were kind of like creating the game. the game okay and they're like, okay, some courses were 10 holes, some were 25. Oh, they, oh, they didn't have a standard. They didn't have it. There oh, wasn't like a standard okay. thing. Okay. And so this guy from Scotland, who I don't remember his name, was like, listen, I find that when I'm enjoying golf most, it's when I have a little nip of scotch before every hole. And if uh-huh. you find a fifth of scotch, <laughs> there happens to be 18 uh, nips Nips in a fifth of scotch, and Is really after right? and after that, like why be on the course? Why be okay? That makes sense. <laughs> so at least and that's by the, the way that I play, that make, that is makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I told you my my rule of thumb with golf is if I lose less than ten balls in a in a day, I'm doing great. <laughs> if I lost more than forget the score, forget everything else, irrelevant. Just how okay. many balls? Um, so yeah, so obviously we're talking everything marketing, kind of what's happening. There's the writer strike happening right now. Yeah, it's really complex, and and uh, it's it's obviously shaking up a big part of of our economy. Um, you know, they're the writers and the actors are trying to get residuals and trying to <clears throat> get a piece of that pie because obviously the way that shows are working today has changed dramatically. Um, you know, writers aren't aren't making what they used to and you know they if they have a great idea they want they want to be able to monetize it for for a long time and the company's obviously on the other side of it and then there's this whole idea of ai coming in and doing a lot of the writing what's what's your sort of take on what's happening there and and is are the writer do they have a chance in this yeah, argument I mean, or I, or you know i think there's a lot of ways to approach the conversation but i'll start at like thirty thousand feet and the truth is is like anytime there's new technology and anything, it, it disrupts how things are done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think much like every other time, like this is going to be a tool, not a direct replacement. I think it's going to improve the work product. I think it's gonna improve the iteration. I think it's going to have a net on net positive impact on the end product, right? Because at the end of the day, creative people who are smart and care about it are still gonna be the ones in there working through and, and doing all of this, but it's gonna disrupt many people, right? Um, because you can do more with less, right? And so, you know, I think when we start to look at this in the grand scheme of things, like it's probably pretty concerning for a lot of people and reasonably so. Like I said, it's going to kind of push things around a little bit. But I think when you really zoom out and look at where is this going to go, like there's never going to be a day where I think computers are conceiving all of the best new ideas, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I think that the creatives in the world can probably rest pretty assured in that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think I think at the the highest level, it's going to change some things. But I think all in all, it'll be a positive thing. Yeah, and this, and, and yeah, go ahead. I have a question. This is a question for both of you from a business perspective. One of the complaints that the actors, so the actors actually join the writers' strike, right? 
And one of the com complaints that they have well, is that... Well, because they needed to get out. They were bored at home. <laughs> no. That's not why. Nobody it's, yeah, they, well, nobody's watching them. Now they're like, you know, this is a new character for them. You know, it's like, it's, it's sort of ridiculous. You have like the wealthiest actors... You know, people worth a hundred million dollars out there, just out there, Picketing. like I'm yeah. with you guys. I with, and then they're gonna go back and they're gonna ask for ninety percent of the budget of that movie, 100%. which is basically cutting out the writer's fee. Okay. Am I the only one that thinks this way? I mean, people love to be victims. I, I don't know. Just uh, these things are probably not going to make it into the final. This <laughs> is going to get edited out. No. Cut it, cut it, cut it. Wait, wait, why? Am I offending an A-list uh. actor? Is that what I'm worried about? Yeah. I'm fine with that. That's not going to affect this podcast. If well, I, it's actually the question is connected to that. Tom Cruise is going to like put a thumbs down to this dislike. Yeah. So the the complaint is that a lot of them are getting residuals that are 20 cents, eight cents, sometimes pennies. There was a, oh, there yeah. Was a, yeah. And the, the primary reason is the streaming platforms because many of these shows are actually being streamed on right. Netflix and whatever. And from a business perspective, if you're paying, <clears throat> if a client, if a customer is playing, paying 15, let's say $15 a month for that, and you're watching 30 shows in a week, what kind of reach? What kind of payment do you actually expect to be sent? Right. To? Yeah. So it's, from it's, a business, it's, it's per un, it is unrealistic in a, in a way for these services to. I mean, on on YouTube to get to parallel it, YouTube there are a lot of influencers that make a penny on a video. For yes. sure. So it's it, yes. in a way it's the same uh, idea. You know that it's it's it can't be they can't and it's usually scales down over time. Um, you know, I, I have some influencers now that, that we work on, unfortunately, that have, they've, a lot of their videos they've had to remove. I have one guy, it's a, it's a horrible story. He had like 30, 35,000 videos and he made a penny or two pennies or five, you know, and every, but every month, you know, you got 30,000 videos is a lot of money and he had to remove all 30,000 videos, which is always the problem when you don't control on, you know, YouTube and you don't control your, mm -hmm. your content is your they can decide that something you said is wrong and they don't agree with it. And then, you know, then you're not getting, getting paid. Or they uh, can turn off your monetization. Oh, and, it's ha it happens yep. all the time. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, Noble, we, we, we have a lot of influencers and it, you know, they, they've gone through that whole evolution of like YouTube and then a lot of them have gone to rumble now. And it's, it's a, it's a challenge. But anyways, to go back to, to, to the writers and, and kind of what's happening is I think that, I think that it's it's hard to monet, figure out what's a fair uh, monetization because, yes, you go okay, someone's paying fifteen dollars a month, but it could it could have cost that streaming service five dollars to get them in the door at least, and then how long is that person going to stay? I mean, there's a lot of costs when it comes to a streaming service. Uh, it, it's not just like they, a yeah they the, they don't own the bandwidth they don't own the internet like. Sure. There's hard data costs associated with it. If, yeah. it. if it were an easy endeavor, everybody would have their own. Sure. Right? And they're all failing. You know, if you look at them, they're all they're all not profitable right now. That that's the the hard part about this negotiation. If it listen, if this was four years ago, I think they would have had a better way to get chances their chances on their strike. Sure. But right now, I mean they're all every data that comes out on these streaming services is that they all overspent. 
They're not driving the kind of revenue that they thought. Disney's struggling with it. I mean, everybody's struggling with it. They're all going back to the commercial model that yeah, has been the TV model for, for you know, 80 years or however long we've had it. So I, I, I don't... I don't see them gaining a lot of success. And I agree with Scott. I think that the true create, listen, the ideas are, are going to be formed by people, uh, the great ideas. But I think simple dialogue getting sent out to someone in AI that's not like rocket science is, is going to happen more and more. My only thought is, is, is then all the dialogue going to, is it going to all sound kind of the same? I, I mean, Again, limited firsthand experience, but from what I've seen, I think it does an incredibly great job already of, of fitting the mold of what it's asked to do. Yeah, so it could be like, oh, give me dialogue of a, of a, you know, a 19-year-old freshman in college, yep. and it can just go down that path. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're doing it on Twitter. There are certain AI bots that they, they're actually on Twitter that you can have a conversation with. And you can choose which one you like. You want someone sarcastic, someone mature, someone younger. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So yeah, they're it's getting happening. there. Yeah. Well, listen, it's uh, I you know I hope for them. You know they can get as much as they can, but I, I think they're moving down a path where it's just going to get worse and worse for them, in my opinion. That's why it's hard to find writers. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not easy. Everyone that's tried to hire writers, it's really hard to to find a, a quality writer. People are. They're leaving that career. They're going into other things because they just can't find the right way to make money. I think uh, the people who are in that space are finding that they're doing other things that, that support the writing. Right? Yeah. It's not the only thing they're doing. Right. right. So it's more full stack creative briefs. It's it's yeah. different stuff. But to be just a writer anymore is is definitely getting harder. Yeah. To, to segue a little bit, uh, when we were on the golf course after I had a hole-in-one, I was talking to you about... Multiple hole-in-ones. Multi- and I was talking... Like Steph Curry? Yeah. 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 I was talking to you about uh, one of your great uh, success stories, and you told me about a company on Facebook yep. that you started with really early on. Yep. They're spending like a million dollars a day yeah. on Facebook, yeah. which... Yeah. That must be fun. <laughs> it, was a, it was a wild thing to, to come along for the ride, for where did, sure. Where did they, when, how long did it take to them? So you started with them, you said day 36 in the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then how long did it take for them to get to, like, they were spending, you know, five grand or whatever to, to spending a million a day? Very fast. Really? Uh, very fast. Uh, what kind of business is this? A consumer health product. Consumer health product. That's very vague. You can't it's get any more specific vitamin, than that. Min- yeah, okay, that's, that's better. Vitamin, that's, mineral supplement Yeah, consumer category. health product could yeah. be like, you For know, sure, yeah. So could be a shake weight. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, probably not. It that. was not the shake weight. I can attest <laughs> you here uh, on the well, record. They made a lot of money on that one, though, too. Okay, so I think f- it's going to make a comeback, personally. You do? I do. I think the shake no, weight's going to come I think it's coming back. I want the shake weight people back here. I have not seen a shake weight on TikTok yet. I feel like those two things colliding, it's going to... Oh, fire. It's going to be... Oh, uh, my God. Let's just cancel it. Cancel, cancel the shake weight. Cancel not, the shake weight? Yeah, cancel. No, no. I, here's the thing. I'll have them on, but I'm not going <laughs> to I think you should. No, I'm not going to hold should. it. That's I where I draw the line. I think that's half the fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So this company, they sell yeah. vitamins or whatever. Yep. You get their, you get the account. And you were, were they had they advertised anywhere when you guys had started? Or? Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's kind of a fun story, right? I think it's a great business story. We were, uh, you know, kind of coming into our own as, a, as an agency. And uh, they reached out to us uh, from the backseat of a cab in New York. They had just uh, gotten <laughs> off the set of Ellen. Um, okay. And so they had uh, done an integration with Ellen and were on the Ellen show. 
and they knew that that was like the beginning of their their rocket ship to the moon, and they they needed partners. You had an ad on the back of a cab. No, 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 no. I'm like, that's some interesting placement. Yeah, by you know you guys. me. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. you're like we, these we, guys yeah. are gonna come out of Allen. We'll be there at the right time. <laughs> right, right that's, person, right place, right by time. By the way, that's some genius geo targeting. <laughs> I don't know if that's available. We'll, we haven't talked about that. We can do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, we uh, they 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 found us. They were looking for something very particular. They right. were looking for a, a, a niche that we specialize in, which is like something I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. And they found us because that niche and, and we <coughs> talked to them and I said, listen, you know, let me come up and see you in Montreal. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah. And I was on a plane the next day in their boardroom and we signed their agency a record on site right then and there. And nice. we've been a client for four years. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, so they had, they had some buzz. For sure. So you're like, okay, we got to get out there fast. Yep. So you went, you went to Montreal. How long did it take you to turn around the like the copy to get up on Facebook? Uh, the, so that's like the the wild thing is is that in today's ad world, almost everybody is is iterating on their own creative. They have their own house media. So people. they they already had they already were ready. You just had to get them out to uh, market. A hundred percent. We took them to TV and audio on like day. 45 of the company mm -hmm. um, and I was up there we did creative briefs we did the whole thing wait, wait hold on they were on TV and radio. day 45 yeah. and radio yeah. the day the yeah. 45 since they started the company yeah yeah <laughs> I think I, when I started, I was on like in the classifieds, <laughs> and I was in the yellow, maybe the yellow pages yeah. still. Yep. And I think I I'm, I was on some rotary phones, and that's by the way, that's that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know, it, it's this like perfect storm where you have a a good product, right? That is kind of you know its own thing there's not a, a huge competitor in the marketplace or really any competitor in the marketplace there's a defined need it fixes a problem and it was met with what at the time was the most powerful advertising sales engine that had ever been created which was like you know kind of that pre-pandemic facebook and paid search uh, ecosystem you know and so it went from zero to a you know 675 million dollars in sales like so what what is the so you said something very important that they had a specific problem yeah. that they were solving and that they didn't have any so what was the problem can you say that no uh, not specifically but like I'll I'll just say this when you are a f you, there's a, a defined first movers advantage right okay. uh, in almost anything mm -hmm. and so if mm -hmm. you're if you're thinking about any business and you're the first <clears throat> one to say hmm, I don't like that problem, but there doesn't seem to be a well-defined way to get around it. Like everybody just kind of assumes it's part of the, the equation and you figure a way to, to take it out of the equation, you've got something special, right? And so they were able to, to, to use that paradigm and, and take their product and, and really put it on, you know, on, you know, 14,000 different stores, shelves across every single platform online, every single influencer and A-list celebrity you have ever heard of has spoken of it. Like, it is a, a really clear opportunity when you have this thing that is just a good product and then you meet it with really great sales and, and, and marketing. Yeah. And and so they they hit Facebook running mm -hmm. and we've kind of talked about this is that you hit Facebook kind of at the right time and the you know, and, and this is the this is the thing about being in the marketing biz and like constantly trying to is that that thing kills. Mm -hmm. And then 
they increase the prices or they change like what what right i mean there was a shift in facebook right yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, it yeah. wasn't it, so it was good for what a year or two and a couple then, years yeah yeah a couple and then, years and yeah. then they they, they got too expensive or what what happened that they yeah i mean facebook at large had major shifts the the we like to refer to it as like the ios 14 update so basically apple has this walled garden mm-hmm. and oh, so yeah. there was a there was a time when you know data was a little bit more readily available to facebook and you know going back to the right ad at the right place at the right time so you could just deliver it to the right person you, you had no concept facebook was doing it all for you it was oh, it I was see. couldn't miss right so it knew what you were searching it knew the phones proximate to you on the same wi-fi network what they were searching any cookies they were any pretty much everybody has it on their device right yeah. so there's they there's so much first party data and so essentially what happened is, is they had built this incredible targeting apparatus that was serving ads to the right people at the right times who were likely to convert for the product or service uh, across literally almost everything. And then Apple flipped the switch. They said, no more. Yeah. And so that really threw a wrench into um, productivity of Facebook spend. But ultimately, the most impactful thing wasn't just productivity. It was scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go from being able to spend you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars mm-hmm. down to if you want to maintain the same return on ad spend, you know, a 50th of what you were able to do before. And so because you don't have the right data, right? Well, right? you don't have that specific data. They're not they're not able to pinpoint the way that they used to be able to pinpoint before this. this exactly. With Apple. And as an advertiser, again, that's kind of all happening behind the scenes. That's the magic of, of that was the magic of of Facebook or paid social advertising yeah. inside of the meta platform was is like the the things that it was doing for you to get the conversions it was almost like a money printing machine you mm-hmm. put a dollar in and you got five dollars out yeah can yeah. you explain just um for our viewers what was the change that Apple did that affected yeah, Facebook yeah targeting? yeah I mean they in in non-technical terms they basically stopped sharing the information uh, about the the device user's preference, and uh, that really clamped down on uh, Facebook being able to put the ads in the right places at the right time for the right people. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And and so this company just every all everything aligned. Yep. And it just kind of took off. So yeah. So now, uh, you know, Facebook, it's it's they don't have this incredible advantage that they used to have, and for it's. Sure. Now it's you're really looking at data in a, in a different way when you're when you're doing ads on Facebook and it's yep. you're a little bit kind of shooting in the dark and then you're gathering data and you're you know you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're changing your strategy pretty continuously. Yeah, so. it is certainly re- rebounded from the the bottom depths of of kind of making the adjustments because not shortly after Apple had their their policy uh, device sharing change, Google made the same move. And so uh, Meta was faced with a, a real crux of a business decision, and ultimately their algorithms have uh, kind of amended themselves and, and come back into a, a world where, you know, for certain consumer brands in reaching into certain demographics, it can still be a really productive yeah. uh, ad environment. But yeah, you, you certainly have a lot more test and measure. It's not just like you could literally, I feel like there was a point in 2020 and 2021 where you could put anything out there and it just re- returned mm-hmm. right um you know and and certainly those days are gone yeah um yeah. and i think a lot of that was you know uh pandemic spending and people being locked in and kind of really really focused on on consumer uh, activity and and so certainly there's macro changes that come with it but inside of the ad environment 
um, it, it's not the same as it once was for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people that, you know, you saw these luxury items selling like crazy because people were just at home, silver chains, and, you know, there was this whole kind of smaller silver jewelry market that exploded because people just wanted a little luxury beauty products. I yeah. mean, people were just, but that's obviously kind of shifted. Now that people are back out, they don't care about looking good, I guess. So now it's, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's, it's still going really good, but... Uh, um, yeah, so that's, um, you know, really interesting that, you know, you took this kind of, this monster. What, have you had any, like, you know, kind of smaller, like, situations where a company had tried a few firms and, you know, because I, I know someone that's spent, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. There's a lot of BS in this, in marketing, in yeah. the marketing space. It's yeah. probably the most BS out of out of you know, there's been many times where you're promised things and you get you know not not only like like low returns like none. Yeah. It's happened to me. You yeah, know, so many times where for sure, you know, you get this person and they're just like selling you the world and nothing happens. Can you tell me about a situation where you know someone came to you? They were they tried a few firms and obviously they were skeptical and and yeah. you kind of found we something. have a we have a name for those 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 clients. We call what? them shelter dogs. They just need love. They need love. <laughs> and they've been done they've been done dirty. It's not they've their been fault. Done, yeah, it's true. It's it not is, their fault. Yeah. Uh but like, yeah. So it's there's a lot of hand holding in that beginning process. You're developing trust. Yes. You're right. Right. Like it, at the end of the day, it makes it sounds a bit cynical. It makes our job easy, right? We when we founded the company, we realized that like in short, being honest and caring and trying if you could just do those things that made you better than a good a crop yeah right um you know obviously there's always the motivation to be the top in your field and get better every day but um you know talking specifically about you know somebody who kind of had had a, a bad taste in their mouth um yeah uh, i can certainly think of many examples and, and really what it comes down to is trying to create a a paradigm where it's like listen um I'm aware of what you've experienced and I'm going to try to create a paradigm that helps you feel comfortable in pursuing this because the truth of any marketing uh, firm is, is that they are going to have to make some mistakes. You got to break a few eggs to yeah. make an omelet, right? Not yeah. everything you do in marketing is going to work a hundred percent of the time. And so like, you know, coming from somebody who's maybe been done dirty or, you know, has been promised the moon and the stars and doesn't yeah. even get a sunny day. Uh, you know, you have to, to create a, a paradigm where there's communication and there's trust. And, and really the way to do that is just to try to sit on the same side of the table, understand what the real, you know, problems of the, the business are and craft, you know, solutions together, implement, test and measure in a way that's, you know, pretty undeniable. And from there, you tend to build that trust, right? Because the trust isn't just in you. Yes, you're doing what you said. And yes, you're, you're you know, executing against the agreement and all of those things. But what you start to do is you start to build like a procedural trust, mm -hmm. right? And so I think a lot of people who have been hurt never were afforded an opportunity to really understand what was being done with their money. And right. like, if you say, hey, listen, I'm gonna treat your money like it's my own right. and like come along for the ride, uh, that really helps bridge the gap for folks like that. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and you know, I think it's, it's, you know, in any business having that relationship of trust, but I think that there's um, so many of these companies out there that, promise stuff with SEO, they pro they promise all these things that they can do in a quick time period, mm -hmm. or, or they're cheap, 
you know, and it's like, oh, 50 bucks a month. You're going to get me to the first. You're going to you're going to guarantee I get to the first page for <laughs> for fifty dollars. Yeah. Like, I mean, I see them all the time. They're out there. I, I mean, I see them. And listen, maybe if you have a real like maybe you have a, a dog grooming business in a specific city. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Totally. Maybe you probably yeah. not. Yeah, West but, Salt Lake City dog grooming. Yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. exactly. And maybe it's a type of dog that nobody grooms. <laughs> right. Maybe you're going to get to the top. But yeah. everything else, everything that's really heavily searched, you can't do it for 50, but you can't do it. No. And it takes time and it takes, yeah. um, you know, it takes a lot of energy. Talk to me kind of quick snippet about what would you recommend for a business owner starting out you know, the SEO game is, is challenging. It's the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what are your thoughts about how focused the uh, uh, early business owner should be on the SEO side as opposed to the just paid? I think it's a, a great question. I mean, you're paying – in some ways you're paying both ways. For but sure. I'm saying is like to get traffic in immediately. Like how yeah. do you find that budget? Like where where's, where's the – and I know this is a loaded question, but like – with people changing and how websites are changing, how important is, is SEO now it's, relative? It's super important, but I would say in the grand scheme of things, I find SEM, search engine marketing, as a broader topic to be the real conversation, right? Because it should be inclusive of paid and organic. And the paid side, for better or worse, is the driving mechanism behind every large-scale business, right? And so, you know, should you ever fully abandon an investment in SEO? No, you should absolutely be investing in your in your ability to drive organic relevant traffic, for sure. And you should be doing it by providing a service to the audience, right? Compelling, truthful information that serves a, a, a need in the marketplace and ultimately esteems your company and an opportunity to gain a potential customer or brand equity for a future customer. Right? And, and also like, you don't, the thing that I've always found that's interesting is like, you let's say you, so let's just say to, kind of get it down. Let's say you're putting articles on your website to yep. try to gain. It's it's such a like, I and, and I think it's the perfect analogy of what marketing is. It's so much of it is like a leaky bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy, I can't remember his name now, but the guy, I don't know if you heard about the guy that made the most free throws ever in a row. He wrote a little book about, he made 2,750 free throws <clears throat> in a row. He was a 70-year-old man. Amazing. And his whole Can theory. Can we verify this information? <laughs> he had a he had a, he had he had a person there that was counting. Oh, yeah. okay. It's not fake news. <laughs> it's not fake news. And um, his theory was that you just had to keep practicing in a certain way, and he had a rhythm to it, and a very interesting analogy about how he visualized. Like the way he visualizes that the, his hand was just dumping the ball in the basket. That's what he would visualize. And the only reason he stopped is that he was tired. Because he was seven years old, he made two thousand seven fifty in a row. But his whole analogy about shooting, and I believe it's very true about marketing, is that it's it is consistency, right? Yeah. It's and so I found that's interesting. Is like you think, oh, this article will get me to the first of this keyword, and it's it's sometimes it's not that article, no. right? I mean, no. it's it's like I'll give you another example. It's like advertising is exercise. You can't do a sit up and want to know where your six pack's at. Mm-hmm. You've got to put in the work. Yeah. Right. And that's doubly true of SEO, right? Anytime you're talking about driving organic traffic, it's a long game. Yeah. You're, you're constantly having to produce net new content. You're constantly having to, uh, 
adjust your sales to the trade winds of what Google's doing, right. uh, you know, and, and what mean, people are searching, right? A hundred percent, right? Yeah. And there's things that are like, and everybody wants to go after. So I'll just use like, I have a lot of friends that are in real estate. They want, everyone wants like top, you know, LA real estate agent, which is really hard to get or whatever, but there could be keywords that are down the scale that are easier to get. So you don't want to not go after those because listen, at the end of the day, if you could get on the first page for something that's maybe getting less of search, but you're really right there, mm -hmm. it's still going to get you leads. It's still, all about you value. Still, you yeah. still get eyeballs. Yeah. Right? You know, and so going back, it might be instead of, you know, best real estate agent in LA, it might be real estate agent, you know, 92624, mm -hmm. right? Zip code, right? It might be that level. And yeah, it might get one one hundredth the searches. But if you get one for that, you know, it, it is still a, an incredible value, yeah. right? So like, there is the long tail game, right? You don't always need to be, you know, number one dog groomer in Salt Lake City. You can you can find pit bull groomer in, right. a, in a zip code and just extract value from yeah. that. So part of part of investing in SEO is is you know doubling down on your high conviction, you know, keywords that are linear to your absolute business and continuing to invest in those in the long haul, and then also trying to be ahead of the curve for what people are searching for and finding those longer tail opportunities. Yeah. And I think a small business owner can find opportunities if they're just really watching what's happening in the search. You know, if they're mm -hmm. just, you could do it, you know, obviously, I mean, depending on what your budget is, you can hire a firm too, but really watching to see what people are trending and what people are interested in and then creating articles in that way, you know, yeah. and it's a great way to, to, to trend. Um, and, and I've known some small business owners that, you know, just created like one-off websites on something very kind of specific and those things still work it's for a, them. It's a huge tool. Niche and highly specified content uh, paired with really niche and highly specified paid and organic traffic is a recipe for success. We've yeah. done it time and time and time again. It's one of the key tenets I talk to any person in business when we're talking about marketing is like find your niche right. and find a way to drive qualified <clears throat> traffic to that niche. Yeah. Um, you know, and so kind of going back to the paradigm of, of how important is uh, organic versus paid, kind of that conversation. Um, organic is great, right? You always want to rank, but you can drive paid traffic that is one standard deviation from the topic at hand into that funnel that's niche and highly specified, mm -hmm. and that works really great too. Yeah. But if for a small business, for example, I don't have a lot of budget, mm -hmm. um, and it's a question of SEO paid ads or social media marketing? What mm -hmm. should be my priority? I, I I think the answer for me is very clear. The first dollars out of pocket for almost every small business in America should be paid search. If somebody is actively looking for your product or service and you can connect with them, you're going you're gonna to win at a higher ratio than having to inform them or make them aware and them going like, oh, that does seem like a good idea. That's a very different level of intent from somebody who's like, I am actively looking for a plumber in uh, you know, Chicago, Illinois that fixes leaky faucets. Well, if I have an ad for leaky faucet repair in Chicago, I'm going to do great, right? So if I have $500 a month or $500 a day or $500 an hour, you want to spend it on the thing that's going to have the lowest funnel demand, and that's people who are searching for your exact product or offering. Uh, and so for that reason, I like paid spend against uh, against most small businesses. What's the usual, most common mistakes that you encounter when you get a new client? Like almost always you know that this is the one thing that they're doing wrong. 
you know, I think I think the good ones do it well, but a lot of people struggle with having like an understanding of what the core mission is, right? So when people come to us for marketing, sometimes they want and they want to esteem the brand or they want some sizzle or they want it to look cool, uh, but they lose uh, focus of the idea that they're needing to drive incremental sales lift or share a voice against a competitor or, uh, you know, awareness about a new product feature, right? And so a lot of times people get caught up in sizzle rather than substance. And so depending upon who you're talking to and where they're at inside of an organization, we see that mistake time and time again where you get caught up in kind of the things that make marketing beautiful, but the things that don't necessarily make marketing work. Well, and also I think your marketing through to your sales funnel have to connect too. 100%. And and I think it's it's one of the things that um, when I started was uh, we have a writer who, the, the two things that I think great advice I got early was, he was like, put, put your, you know, you're in it, uh, you're in the gold space, there's a lot of kind of weird stuff happening there, but you guys are running an honest business, you should put your face out there. 100%. That was the first thing, that was great advice. And then um, early on, we had a PR firm, and they were like, what, who, what separates you guys? Tell us about your, and they did a full brand analysis and they like came down for a few hours and they just asked questions and they pulled and they pulled and they pulled because it was you know in a way it's not like we are the only person that does what we do right but you if you're doing something good there's something there's things that are different and i think that pr brand analysis is sort of like what you're talking about Mm -hmm. a lot of companies they don't know exactly what they do well they yep. don't. They don't know what their competitive advantage is. They don't, and they're not willing to sort of dive in and 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 maybe think about hey, like let's add something that no, you know, like one of the things that nobody had when we started with Noble Gold is that we take pictures when they get their IRAs, like the gold. I thought that was like we had to do that because I, I want people to see that what they bought. Nobody did it, and we had to pay for it, but it 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 helps. Because right. people can see, like, it's really there. We're really doing the thing that we told you we're going to do. So it's just, I think those little things people don't realize. So I think it's a big, a big part of marketing is really understanding your brand. And then that helps mint, right. you know. Because if everybody's the same, like, what? how do you make that pop? How do you, well, you know, what's the edge, you know? 100%. And, and I think being active in the campaigns is really important, too. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was... What's your, like, what would be your, for someone looking to hire a uh, marketing firm, what would be, your, what's your BS? What's, like, what's your quick, like, these guys are full of shit? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's an easy one, right? Um, ask the question, you know, what's my ROI going to be? What's my cost per lead going to be? Ask a metric, right? And if they give you a hard and fast number, they're full of it. Because in the marketing world, Everything is different. It's different for every brand, even inside of the same category. And the truth, the truthful answer to that is, is we won't know until we get in, right? Uh, but they could give you, like, you go, okay. They go, email marketing, it's going to cost X to X per lead. Google, I think it, it could be, right? It's okay to have a range. Right. But somebody who's like, yeah, for every dollar you give me, you're going to have five back. That's a that's a real problem. <laughs> right. yeah, that's a real that's, problem. That is true. Because um, not every, and you don't know where, you know. 
not every search engine could be different too. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, maybe we should talk about that too. I was going to, uh, so, okay. So you're saying BS test is they go, it's going to be, you're going to make leads are going to cost $30 and then it's going to take you five leads and you're going to get it right. I think it goes back to your question of like, there's so many people who've promised you all of these things in yeah. the marketing yeah. world and this yeah. and that and the other thing. And like anybody who's doing that typically doesn't have faith in their ability to be like, there's a process involved here. There's work involved here. And like, this is what we think the ranges are, but yeah. ultimately we're going to get in and find out and work through it. Like those are the people who are actually, but also as a, as a business yeah. owner going into a marketing meeting with a company, they should know what they can really afford. Yes. You, you should go, Hey, my product costs $500. It cost me $300 to make it. I got, I can, I can give you, I got a hundred dollars of marketing to close this, you know, Right, 100%. I mean that, that, and that's I, the most important continuum, right? So right. I always look at any business anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're selling a cake or a car, right? I always look at it and I break it into three buckets, right? The first is uh, cost to serve, meaning what does that product actually fit? That's your cost of goods. That's the people associated yeah. with it. It's your overhead. It's all that. What's your cost to serve that product? The second is is what's your cost to acquire it, right? That's the that's the second bucket of revenue, right? How much can you spend in marketing to get that thing into the hands of a consumer? And the third is your profit, right? right? And so if you can you can keep your cost to serve and your cost to acquire, you can keep your profit. But if either of those goes up, your profit goes away. And so I always urge every every business to to know definitively if I could acquire a customer for X dollars, I could do it in perpetuity. It's mm -hmm. such an important metric yeah. to understand. And there's some businesses that, you know, being in the years of marketing that I found out that actually lose money on the first product. Mm -hmm. That scares the crap out of me personally as a, as a business owner. But there are, because they need that customer and they're going to sell them, you know, something ah. else. So they'll just, you know, they'll lose on that first product. For and, sure. You know, I've never invested in a business that isn't that realm because mm -hmm. I've never felt comfortable, but I know that people do and they, they, you know, is, can you think of what, what industry is like that? that I they, mean, there's a, there's a ton of loss leaders, business services as a general rule. So, um, you know, I think to, to kind of look at certain things, I actually, let's not use business services. Let's use Costco, right? Uh, they sell their rotisserie chickens for a loss. Right. Everybody loves the rotisserie chicken. That's what gets people coming in right. the door. That's the what hot gets them, dog. The, the hot, hot dog. The whole thing. They lose money on those things yeah. because they know they're going to get them down the way. But to talk about a more traditional business sense, you know, taking a, a loss leader because you know you're going to cross and upsell them. Uh, it, it, you might look at something, like I said, in the business services. Hey, I'm going to lose money on this engagement and doing this employee handbook for you, right? There's going to be a lot of hours into it, but I know that ultimately you, now you're going to rely on me for HR consulting, right? Right. And so a lot of times you'd be willing to pay to get your foot in the door, but you might be able to, you know, take that uh, connection that you build with the consumer and really turn it into a profitable engagement. Yeah, so there's a way to do it. For like sure. selling drugs. First one's you hook them first in on drugs. The first one's free. Hey, fairly, that's we're not talking about that here. Wait, so yeah. of all the services that you, so you do SEO, you do SEM, but what is a service or a product that gets people to come to you? Um, we highly specialize in video and audio, right? Anything that fits into those buckets. So anything TV, radio, podcasts, um, streaming audio. Uh, streaming TV, all of that. And so typically people are coming to us for our speciality in those things. But why you then? What's the unique selling proposition? Why not somebody else? For sure, yeah. There's there's definitely a few uh, that we do a little differently. For starters, as I said at the onset, like 
trying hard and being honest and like building a partnership differentiates us from a huge subset of the marketplace. Um, we also have found a really good niche in terms of, of size. Like unless you can spend um, $150 million, any of the holding co agencies won't touch you. And so there is a, a huge conglomerate of small, middle-sized businesses who need technically driven, uh, competent marketing professionals inside of these two spaces. And so we, we really feel a need there. We're data-focused, and we're also price-focused. And so what we can do as a unique selling proposition is afford uh, company partners uh, better efficiencies in terms of how many impressions they're getting by deriving certain buying methods that differ from, from the mainstream. So people come to us for transparency and partnership, measurement and pricing, and we're able to communicate that with them in a way where it's pretty clear pretty quickly that we're here for the long term. We want to build a partnership. We want to be invested in your success. We want to kind of work through everything together, and ultimately that's really fueled our success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you approach the right balance between creativity and data-driven decision-making and marketing and advertising campaigns? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real blend between art and science. I love food, as mm-hmm. you might be able to tell. Um, <laughs> uh, I love food, and I think it's a really great analogy there, right? Technique is, is crucial, uh, but putting love into it is almost as crucial, right? And so you, you can never fully be devoid of the other. Um, we always say common sense is, is the right uh, choice. Look at the data. Measure. Measure twice. Go over these things. Look at it and make informed decisions as best as possible, but never delude yourself to think that a data point is the definitive article. And so when we're talking about creativity, creativity versus uh, you know measurement, you really can't afford to ignore the, the measurement and the outcomes and the science of it. And also you have to understand that the creative part of it is one of the key driving elements of that data. And so um, when we're crafting a campaign from onset, it really is about thinking through, is this going to perform? Why or why won't it? Who are we speaking to? What are we asking them to do? These are the creative elements of it. And then when we get into a campaign, it's really about the measurement of it really looking at things and going, how is this reverberating? What are we seeing? What can we attribute to it? Are we seeing a lift? And so through different parts of the marketing cycle, we really kind of lean back and forth between creative creativity and science, but you can never be all in one camp. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, you know, from a uh, interesting point of view is like uh, even specific things like on a landing page, like some people, they they just ask for an email. Some people, I mean, there's so many new things that are happening now. People are just saying like text a number, mm-hmm. call a phone number, you know. There, so there's there's even that element that, that is very specific of like, you try a landing page and they, you know, nobody puts their phone number in. Why are they not putting their phone? Maybe, maybe what you're offering isn't good. You know, you have to think all of those things through. Maybe it doesn't look right, you know. There's just a million elements uh, to that, and uh, and then obviously the ad can be in the wrong place. It's it's I, I really the leaky bucket analogy I think really applies to everything because you could have the most creative ad campaign, but you don't put it in the right place, yep. and you're like limiting it. You t- maybe you just try it one place or two places, 
then it could really work in a different place. So that's that's a big part of it too, is, is testing. Yeah, testing is crucial. Sometimes you think the thing is gonna work and it doesn't. And sometimes you think the thing that will never work is the best thing you have. Yeah. And, and a lot of that comes back to, you know, you can learn these things through, you know, uh, success and failure, right? And really progress that way. Um, a great example is, is, you know, there was a time many years ago, we would run ads with telephone numbers in them all the time. And uh, we had so many campaigns that just absolutely were so devastatingly good, just produced such great results. And then we started running campaigns that should by of all, by any measure, been should just be as great, but they weren't producing. Huh. And and it was a real head scratching moment. And it what it really boiled down to was, is that the target audience was young enough where they just don't call people. They don't call. They, they don't, don't talk call to people. people. Yeah, they don't talk to people. And so e even though the offer was right, even though the messaging right. was good, it right. got down to that point where it was when you got to the means to engage with yeah. the, the product or service that that was wrong. Yeah. Those those the pe the people your audience do this, they never do this. Correct. <laughs> the yeah. phone never makes it here. Nope. They're just chatting on No, it it, it is pretty fascinating. One thing I was uh uh going to say too is uh uh, spending like the failed campaigns as long as it doesn't break you, uh, which some, you know, they have <laughs> to some extent uh, financially. You know, they they really help too. I mean, Absolutely. and you, you know, I think the thing about you guys spending so much money with so many different companies, it does give you some insight, and then. It's like, oh, well, this is working with somebody else. I have this other client. They got something. Maybe we should try. I think that's the, the thing about, you know, working with an agency, whereas, you know, so much of it, you try to do everything internally, but you're not, if you're just trying to sell your own thing, you don't know what's going on in the world. You don't get any data. Mm -hmm. And uh, failed campaigns have also made me millions, if you really think about it. 100%. Because then I, I go, oh. I'm never going there again. I did mm -hmm. I did that. Or maybe I'll go there, I'll get back there again, but I mean, I'm going to take a break. It might also ultimately force you into the thing that works. That's right, exactly. And, yeah. And, yeah. you know, so we've, I co-founded about eight years ago. I've been performance marketing for 12 years, you know, pretty much the, almost the entirety of my professional career and, and hundreds of, hundreds of, of clients and like, Early on, they weren't all wins, right? Sure. Um, for sure. You know, and, and over the last four or five years, a lot of the business that we've said no to is just as important as the business we've said yes to. Right, right. Um, and, and that's through lessons learned. Uh, but to your point, the, the campaigns at large, ultimately, you know, those failures inside of campaigns teach you a tremendous amount of actionable intelligence, right? It's not just a failure. It's a data point for you to go, hmm. We should steer around that next time, or maybe we should be steering in this completely opposite direction. Yeah. And, and finding those are that's what marketing really is. Yeah, absolutely. Is the metaverse worth investing in? Not yet. Uh, to summarize, I think uh, I think there will come a time and a place where um, where there is, you know, and you say the metaverse as if it's one thing. Which metaverse? Right. <laughs> you know, when there is a prevailing currency for that word, when there is a unified metaverse and, and there is a, a digital engagement that lives up to the ideology of what that word is supposed to mean. Yeah, it will for sure be worth. Um, but I think we're I think we're a good 
a good bit away. I don't know exactly what that is, but I don't think we're there yet. I'm going to read a question that's not from AI that I think came from a writer. <laughs> As a growth hacker, I think this is a really good question. You might, I don't know if you're going to this. As a growth hacker, you're tasked with boosting the popularity of an American cultural event or tradition, like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or the Super Bowl halftime show. What creative strategies would you implement to make it go viral? Shooting turkeys. I mean, just on national TV. Just blood and guts. Yeah. No, okay, no. besides that, that um, that's my idea. I, guess, I don't think that's too... I think you, going viral is such a, a wild term. Um, I think what it really means is finding a way to capture the zeitgeist, the, the current moment's culture, right? Because we live in... A time where culture is is you can check your watch by it. Right. The thing that was a thing three days ago isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. And I think that there's a brand uh, called uh, Elf or Eye Lips Face. It's a, a cosmetics brand who has done an incredible job, kind of viralizing yes. their brand. True. Super. I know the brand. You know yeah. the brand. Okay. Yeah. Everybody does. It's not for me. <laughs> we are not their target. They, 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 not. We are not their consumer. They don't do male makeup. They, <laughs> they might. They might. Um, and so, you know, I think what I would do is, is I would really try to double down on my highest conviction. What is the thing? And I would try to be insanely current. You can't overthink uh, this because time doesn't allow for it. Right. You have to be present. You have to be in the moment. And you have to catch a wave, uh, so to speak, um, for you to really be propelled by uh, what is, uh, you know, going viral. You have to be present. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, as a marketer, I would I would look for what that is. Uh, I would look for top trending. I'd look for the the hottest uh, person you can engage in terms of popularity or uh, social currency at the given time. Um, and, and try to ride that wave. A, a great example might be, you know, out of nowhere came uh, threads from from Instagram, right. and it was every single person who was yeah. doing anything with marketing or advertising or business was like, "This is the new platform. This is the yeah. you know the new currency outside of Twitter." And whether it'll be that or not is irrelevant. I yeah. don't think it will be, but. If you were doing anything, you went over there to see what was going on. Sure. And so when something like that happens, that's an op that's a wave. You can ride that wave. So go and, and grab the wave that is threads and try to use that to push whatever your your thing is into into the the next level. So, you know, co-branding, ride the wave, uh, stay current and really focus on on trying to While you're talking, I think I came up with the idea. Is for, it for the Super Bowl? Okay. You don't tell anybody who's performing. Okay. And then you do Michael Jackson hologram. It could be it could be pretty controversial. It could be pretty controversial. No? Is he uh he's nobody's the, Oh well the question is if it's gonna go viral. Yeah, but you're just gonna piss people off. But isn't that part of you don't have to you don't have to piss people off to go okay. viral, but it doesn't hurt. Elvis yeah, so like Elvis, I think would I think that would have for sure gone viral. I think you know, look at the Barbie movie right now. I think that's gone viral, and they've done that through what I'm saying. They've done that all through co-branding, right? So that movie. Oh man, they, they've spent a fortune. I mean, right? I mean, they've spent a fortune, but they're doing it in a way that's very different. They're viral because they are every brand establishment, every presence that's out there. 
now there's now there's Barbie, right? Yeah. And they're against the trend. They're against the, the social trend. Social trend, yeah. yeah. So um, still well, Scott, thank you. I you know it's 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 great to just kind of get into a bunch of topics on, on marketing. I'm sure we could talk about this for the next five hours if we wanted to. But uh, self-made millionaire tips. Hope you liked it. If you want to contact Mint, uh, we you know, contact us. We'll get you in touch. Great company. We'll talk soon.